This is Rhetoric and Retrospect. I'm David. I'm joined by my compadres, Ben and Max. In today's episode, we will be discussing Virgil's Aeneid. Arma virumque cano, Troi aequi primus aboris, Italiam fatto profugus lawina que venit, Litra multum militeris jactatus et alto, vi superum saeo ai memoriam iunonis obiram. Mota coque bello passus dum contenderat orbem, inferretque Deus latio genus unde latinum abanec patris atque altae moenia Romae. I've never heard Latin truly spoken. It was excellent. Excellent. (laughs) So. I feel like that's how 90% of our podcasts start out. So. (laughs) So. It's always just the word so. Let's, let's, let's mix it up a little. What, what should we, what should we say at the beginning? Os. <laughs> I mean, this is the beginning, but we should say os. No, no, probably seek. not. Seek. Seek. But that's more of an affirmation, but like, seek. Seek. No, no, it's with a hard C, like so. Like, But so. It's, it's like, so. it is so. We should I don't... say seek. Seek, seek. I'm going to say see, see here. Seek. See no, here, no, 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 like true. S-I-C. Sick. It's Latin. Sick the dogs. Latin. Oh, Sick oh, aren't I so funny? No, nobody gets my joke. Okay. I'll laugh anyway. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So today we are talking about one of my favorite works. We are talking about the Aeneid. And you know it's one of my favorite works? Yes, it is one of your favorite works, yes. David. ancient Latin poetry, and it is also a classic. Oh, yes. It's a classic, but I'm sorry, but we're we're conforming to classic literature way too much. We need to talk about modern things. We oh, can't just, don't we, you fear? We can't just be there. classical stuff. You should know. It's oh, not, oh, we can't. We could never that. take their throne. No, they're no. they're too powerful. We we bow to. Oh, well, we don't uh, bow no, to that. No, we're not cutting that. We can't cut that out. But yeah, we we, we can't. We can't stand up to them. They're too mighty. No, no, no. Too mighty. Yeah. Oh, that's no... That's... 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 Yeah, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> but there's more to... There's more to the Aeneid than just being a classic and being ancient Roman literature. It's because... Virgil, by writing the Aeneid, shaped what is... Essentially all of... Or what we consider to be uh, ancient Roman poetry. So things like Ovid's Metamorphoses. Hmm. And, uh, uh, okay. I will say Marshall. Even though it's supposed to be pronounced <laughs> differently. I will say Marshall. Uh, I think Lucretius. Luc- no, no, no. Lucretius. Uh, Aeneid was. Or, or not Aeneid. Ugh. Virgil was inspired by Lucretius, I think. Who is um, Lucretius? 
Lucretius was born before, shortly before Virgil, and he is also an ancient Roman poet. Poet, but we'll we'll uh. get into we'll get into him in a moment. But right now, I want to ask and listeners, I want you to tune into this, especially because because I want to I want to give you as much information as possible going in. What is your understanding of the Aeneid? What have you heard? What do you know about it? What is what is a I'm highlight? I'm sure I heard something, but I don't remember it, so it's virtually nothing. Mm. Well, to, really? Yes. Oh, I I know that it is so, old and oh. Latin and Roman and similar sort. Am I horrendously wrong in saying that it's vaguely similar to something like the Iliad and the Odyssey? Like in the same. No, you are completely right. So oh, okay, good. Okay. <laughs> basically, it's just Homer fanfic, but we're we're not gonna we're not gonna yeah we're we're gonna say that's a good thing, and it is a good excellent. Thing. But and I have oh I have a a question to ask you at the uh near the end, and it's just a I thought about this this morning as I was in the shower and I'm like yes <laughs> yes that's wow that's really that's something because it's a good thing to consider. But uh-huh. that's just a teaser to the end. We'll we'll mm. get on that. Uh, but yeah, so it is old. It is ancient Roman, uh, it, it, or it is ancient Roman poetry, and it is indeed vaguely similar to the Iliad and the Odyssey. So, Virgil lived from seventy to nineteen BC, and the he wrote the Aeneid. And the Aeneid is about the rise of Rome, like the founding and rise of Rome, where everything came from, and the vision of Rome and the fate of Rome. So, do you guys know about the Trojan War? Mm-hmm. Yes, that's oh, the famous right. one, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> so that was that is basically the Iliad. That is the Iliad is. Um, Seven years after the Trojan War started. And go listen to our episode on... I forget what we titled it. It was about the Iliad. Well, Homer's first and... finger was more about ring composition. And, yeah, yeah, true. But... Well, we sort of went over yeah. a little bit what yeah. the Iliad and Odyssey yeah. were. So. I wasn't too prepared for that one. I needed to be more prepared, but well, I, I oh, won't discredit it was anything that was in that <laughs> episode. Yeah. But... So, so do you guys know anything about the, the Trojan War other than it's it, the big, the it, big it's, battle? It's the one with the horsey and... Helen and Paris and and Hector and sword and 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 Achilles and not fight and mad no. and <laughs> yes yes yeah and the yeah. the Trojan horse is actually from the Aeneid oh that really? actually that that wasn't a thing before the Aeneid was around I don't think hmm. or maybe he he heard about it in some non Homeric work but anyways. He that was that was Virgil's work. Virgil uh, popularized it. Is this if historical not fiction? Uh, oh, so that's the thing. We it might be. Hmm. That's the thing. We we th- there was a Trojan War, but we don't know if there was any. Uh, if, if like Achilles was a real person, obviously it wasn't inspired. Like there were no Greek gods, but the, mm-hmm. the, we don't know whether or not there was a real person named Achilles. 
we do know there was a real person named Homer, obviously, who who wrote mm-hmm. about the Trojan War, but there's nothing to say that there was an Achilles or a Hector or a uh, little and or greater and lesser Ajax or uh, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Or uh, oh oh, what's that guy? What's that? Nestor. Nestor is the awesome guy. <laughs> so he's so great. Anyways, uh, so it might be historical fiction, but the 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 Aeneid certainly is historical fiction. Yeah, because we know. Well, is it? So it is fiction. So it's likely embellished to right. a degree, yes. but we know that the main events are. Yeah, truth. it is based in truth. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um. So Virgil died while he was coming back from a part of Rome and he didn't wish for his works to be published. Huh. But apparently they were anyway. <laughs> yeah, so so Octavian or wait, wait, he might not have been Octavian at the time, but Caesar Augustus. Caesar Augustus uh ordered that they be published and so they were against his wishes. And I mean it it went like wildfire and poets started uh using it as inspiration for their own works and the public really liked it. And it was, you know, it was that set towards, wow, I can't speak. It was that sort of story where you, you know, you tell it, you tell the tales of Aeneas to your children as they're by the fireside or by the, by the hearth. So what, is this one of those things that was passed by word of mouth or was it written down or do we know like, how much of this is certain and how much of it is? 100% of it is certain. So the the thing about Homer is that he made a manuscript, but a lot of it was um, it's lost or was improvised or was many of these other things. Uh-huh. And so it was passed down through oral tradition. And the sad thing about it is that it, may have been like a lot of it may have been lost because hmm. pe- people are forgetful yeah no 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 for the the odyssey, the, the, the odyssey and huh. the iliad yeah the works of Homer. interesting but yeah those were passed on through oral tradition but uh but virgil physically wrote out books out world well scrolls but yeah books of the Aeneid, and so you have several books in, like I have a, a copy right here, all in Latin, but it's only books one through six, through six. and it's pretty sizable. Because it's one of those epics that have twelve, right? Right. Yes, yeah, yeah. it has okay. twelve. Uh, the works of Homer have twenty-four. Oh yeah, yeah the yeah. big ones, the big exactly. fancy ones. Right. So the interesting thing about the Aeneid is that the first six books of the Aeneid mirror the structure of the Odyssey and the plot of the Odyssey, and the last six books, so seven through twelve mirror the structure and plot of the Iliad and you see several major themes and and events that that are very very similar to I I've yeah. read the Iliad and read simplified versions of the Odyssey is this sort of uh is this the same content just told in a different way no not at all no so it's, it's just a, like it's similar different. themes that are reflected yes yeah okay 
That makes sense. And the first six books really follow the actions of Aeneas strictly, just like the entire Odyssey follows the, well, the first four books follow his, his son, but you know, it follows one person Uh and the Iliad follows many, many different people and also many different gods. And the last seven books of this follow many, many different people. Okay. Yeah. So, are we ready to dive into it? I think so. Okay. I think so. So, let me get out my handy dandy paper. The notes. For the first time in all of rhetoric and retrospect, we have a topic wheel. (gasps) Oh. All right. So. Thank you, David. The main issue of the Aeneid is whether Aeneas is pious. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to paint you a picture, even though you've never seen the, or not seen, wow, it's not a movie, even though you've never mm-hmm. read the, the wow, the Aeneid. Guys, mm-hmm. apparently I can't speak, but <laughs> even though you've never read the Aeneid, I'm going to paint you a picture of an event that happens in the Aeneid, and it's one of the core events of books one through six. And I want you to determine whether or not Aeneas is pious. And I will add a second challenge. I will disagree with you if you come to the exact same conclusion, both of you. What do you mean? I will play devil's advocate. Uh, Oh, okay. Got it. Got it. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's it's almost not fair because I know more about the the Aeneid. But sure, I will I will I will play the opposite part. Sounds good. Yeah. So the word piety comes from the Latin pietas uh, or pius, mm-hmm. which has such associations with the English words godly loyal devoted faithful and patriotic and they are all encompassed in this word Hmm. that's the interesting thing about latin is that nothing no language is a one-for-one translation but latin has so many different meanings for their words Mm -hmm. or there are so many different meanings associated with the words that you have to use the structure of the sentence and the emphasis and inflection of your voice to accurately say what you mean Hmm. that does that kind of gives a disadvantage to uh, reading right because a lot of the content so that's the thing that's where meter comes in Ah. So, so <laughs> there are reading rules for Latin. And some syllables are shorter while others are longer. And that allows you... Actually, the, I, I should have started off with this from the get-go. Uh, the right way to, let's say, observe the works of Homer and Virgil are to have them read to you. So, yeah. So that the speaker can actually inflect themselves. Right. And so it's like a, it's like a song, right? Do you get the same experience from reading song lyrics 
or do you get them from listening to the song right yeah it's like poetry poetry speaks for itself or it should speak for itself right but when poetry is put to song it amplifies everything else so the aeneid speaks for itself the iliad and the odyssey all speak for themselves but when they are spoken or especially sung it just it it creates this whole new experience and so even just reading them aloud allows one to have a a more meaningful experience overall yeah yeah and it, it allows for everything to be more impactful and it allows for the the author's true intentions to come through or authority yeah authorial intent because that's what they were initially initially meant for was Mm -hmm. that's that's how all of them start out so the iliad starts out seeing views of the rage of peleus son of achilles or something like that and then the the odyssey starts out with uh oh what what is it oh no 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 it's it doesn't start out the iliad doesn't start out with sing it starts out with rage rage because the first word is manis but the odyssey starts out with i sing of or sing to me muse of the man the man of twists and turns and these are all the uh the fagel's translations of it but the yeah I, i'm not going to speak <laughs> greek. i'm not gonna butcher the greek but and the Aeneid starts out with I sing of warfare and a man of arms or something like that is is an accurate translation. Mm. And so they all start out with an invocation of the muses or I sing of this like the, the with Virgil. He himself is the muse. He is invoking him or evoking evoking. What's the word? I will uh. Or it's Latin. It's woka. It's oh to call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. Calling Invokes, the muse. Invoke. Maybe invoke. I don't know. Mm, I don't know. But everything seems to be Latin today. <laughs> it's 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 like finding a penny. Heads up. It's all good. Um. <laughs> anyways, uh, they, the, the author's intent was for them to be spoken. And so that is the real true way to have to experience his works. Yeah, that makes sense. I but, think yeah. we've gone on the audiobook tangent before, but that in general, it, it's not always true. But in many cases, particularly books, or in this case, epic poetry, that's particularly rich in speech, you can get a lot more out of a given work, at least in English and speaking with the narrator having gone through and made conscious decisions thinking i think that the intent is this when you wouldn't necessarily pick up on that when you're just reading it through there's a lot more content that can be ascribed through vocal intonation and i think the same is true of latin particularly because there's such a limited vocabulary when compared with english and that it's you don't really a word can mean many things but they're all usually pretty similar things. But I think narrowing down which it is is probably very helpful. I haven't listened to any Latin so far, 
except for what you just that was like the first time i've ever heard somebody read epic poetry in latin oh so, really oh that's very interesting. I, I have been introduced to the world but oh. it seems like much more intent can be ascribed through i feel like i'm not that i i have the pronunciation correct but i feel like i could do better i need to work on my syllables <laughs> but <laughs> sounded I, I good will, to me <laughs> i will send you some links but oh, oh <laughs> yes I'll, I'll about this. Some, <laughs> do some uh reading of ancient roman poetry <laughs> um anyways piety comes from beatas which is basically just a spelling of piety with as on the end instead of y and it's a latin word and i'm gonna paint you this picture imagine that after the trojan war the losing sides fellow men or fellow man right a soldier for the losing side travels home he's weary he is tired and he has lost he is utterly defeated he was pushed hard and he was just run off the shore into his boat and he set sail and he never looked back he encounters a storm and this storm was like many other sea storms the cause of, of the cause of or will of neptune or poseidon if you want to go greek but neptune because we're we're going latin we're going in <laughs> latin mode here and this pushes him to the shores of carthage so in africa right and he washes up on shore well his his crew and he go up on shore and they go into the town and they they see all of these these signs these intricate carvings of the trojan war that's been going on for years and years mm -hmm. seven years in total and they start breaking down and they say who who hasn't heard of what we've done who will now hear of our loss who will now you're now that we are this famous now that every single man woman and child in the general area has heard of our story how great will how great of a disappointment will it be for them to hear of our loss and that just has a a huge impact on them and and then he starts reminiscing on his friends who have died in war and the times they spent together and and all of this but then they go through the town they keep going through the town after this and they hear of the queen and then they see the queen followed by many suitors you know and she's gliding and she's she's going straight into her castle and they follow her there and they request a meeting with her and then they go before her and they say oh this is aeneas and his crew and we are but mere travelers and and all of this and she's looking over at aeneas and she's like wow he's mm, smoking and uh she <laughs> keeps this in and and she's you know she's really she's really trying to hold it in and aeneas is over there like oh, oh, oh. and 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 then they go back you just said like oh i did 
Oh no, it's a simile. It's a simile. It's a simile. Yeah, yeah. 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 He's like, uh, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, then yeah. they they go back to the ships. They tell their shipmates. Shipmates come along with Aeneas to the city, and they spend the winter there. And you know, Dido and Aeneas start to get to know each other, and and Dido is seeing this alliance you know with with this great war hero and she sees help and prosperity and money so much money and uh, not really but but <laughs> she's she sees this this promising thing in these times of trouble when all is against her on enemy sides and you know she she's really digging this and she she uh the gods recognize this as marriage between what? the two. Yeah. So the gods recognize this as marriage. So just because she like sort of acknowledged this sort of not a, not even like not a relationship, not even a connection, sort of this Oh, but he's he's showing signs. He's showing signs oh. too. Like he's playing a lot. He's he's going he's into it. He's he's not just So they on just the like each other like, and the gods are like Yep, that's yep, marriage. That's that's marriage. Um and so this is all going very well. And Aeneas plans on settling there. Like he is he is committed to settling there as a possibility. But he knows he has to he knows what his fate is and he knows he has a mission uh to found Rome. And Mercury gets sent down cuz he's yeah, because message guy. Yeah, yeah. Because Jove is all like, "Oh, oh, I said like again." <gasps> Jove, Jove is all heated up, and he says, "What is he doing down there? He's wasting his days in Libya." And and then he just shoots down Mercury, and Mercury goes, and he reminds Aeneas of his fate, and he's all glowing, and he's he's all radiant, <laughs> and and you know, he's, he's really he's really passionate in his speech, and he's like. Who are you to go against fate? Who are you, you little mortal? You, I, I, I can't believe you. You would really actually think that you could stay here in Libya and just, just frolic about for the rest of your days and just waste your life when there's Rome to be founded? Are you kidding me? And he says, think of, think of what your mother said, you know, think of, think of your fate. Think of what you've been promised. Think of all of these things. And and then he leaves him. And Aeneas is shaken. He's, he's absolutely shaken. <laughs> As one would be. And he leaves without telling Dido, the queen of Carthage. Uh-huh. That. So, <laughs> Dido... That's the thing. Or or he's he's going to leave, I think. And uh, she comes to him over and over again, and she's begging with him to to not set sail. And she she's she says you you hope to deceive even me, and and all these things, and and like, what about our life spent together? What about my promise of a little Aeneas? You know, just <laughs> just sitting there beside you and she's really pleading with him and he lets her go for the love of his country 
right. His country, his homeland is Rome. And she ends up killing herself in grief. What, so that, es- that escalated quickly. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So I would ask you whether Aeneas's wish was pious or whether it was arrogant or his wish of what his or not his wish his what he did his actions uh like ditching his yes his yeah. uh his his quote, like quote married winter married. fling thing yeah yeah uh uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> oh i wasn't saying yes yeah, uh, yeah. but hmm well that's the question what are his motives is he scared silly by his visit from mercury or is he is he doing it because of the brotherhood does he legitimately want to go and do what he has to do out of a sense of duty is it because he thinks he'll get in trouble if he doesn't it and i'm curious how i think the gods won't the gods will make it happen either way that's the thing and oh, okay so it's either need... an easy open for him to do it now or it's going to be done by force okay and i'm curious from how is this book narrated is it, is it first person third person oh it's third person okay yeah. so how how many of aeneas's thoughts do we see like do we see him conflicted about the choice whether or not to leave or is he yes just... yeah okay yeah we see him conflicted hmm and then he's he basically he's just very firm and he says get a fleet ready, but don't tell the queen because she'll be like devastated. So she might just so they aren't married. They mm, okay um mm, they have not entered upon a pact of marriage. So they haven't said that they're getting married. No, but the gods recognize it. But as the such. gods said. No, no, you are married. Yes. Well, is so he's going to found Rome. Yes. That's kind of so Rome sort of doesn't exist. Rome doesn't exist yet. So like sort of like yeah, Rome doesn't. So he's leaving it for something that doesn't exist yet, but it will exist. That's like Romulus and Remus will exist, and and all of these things that will come directly from his bloodline and. And, yeah. hmm. I don't know, because he could have had a amazing life in Libya, and they could have built an empire that was basically it could have been greater than Rome. They, if she had Aeneas by her side, then all these these nations with their armies and these really important political figures and all of these things in Africa would back down from the mighty Aeneas, the one who had slayed thousands mm-hmm. with with his bare hands and, and all, all of this and all yeah. these stories that have been spread about. They would have had a great empire and a great life together, but it would not have been Rome. And it would not have been the will of the gods, and it would not have been according to his fate. Is it? Is it? Um, uh, more. Is it good to study? Is it beneficial to study the works of people 
who believed in morally bankrupt, morally deficit, morally destitute role models, gods. Wait, they what? <laughs> so these these pe- the author okay. Aeneid, right? He believed in the gods, uh, in a pagan religion, right? Mm-hmm. And ever- they looked up to the gods as these role models, right? Right. These ultimate deities. But as we all know from from mythology, I mean, the stuff that's canon, that these gods are morally bankrupt. They, they, sure. They basically, they have no... They, they, they aren't to be looked up as role models. So is it beneficial to study works that are written by people who looked up to morally bankrupt bankrupt role models Mm. i think i would say what is your end goal in asking that question to understand whether or not the the beliefs the people that the authors oh like the the authors look up to oh does that affect the content that does that does that affect us so you're asking we all know it's it's not good to believe in the pagan gods right right of, of greek uh, in Roman mythology, because they were awful people, they were awful gods. No matter what they were, they they just did horrible things. Like what was it? They ate somebody. <laughs> I, I'm forgetting that, that, right now. That but... was sort of unintentional, but they did eat somebody baked into a pie. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they 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 are not to be looked up to. They're to be. Uh, uh, hmm. uh, I... So, is it? Does it have enough? Does it have a negative? neutral or positive effect to study so so aeneid uh presumably believed in these gods and aeneid presumably wanted to be like these gods Wait, aeneid yeah no I, aeneas aeneas, <laughs> aeneas. <laughs> who is the author aeneas. who is the author virgil, uh, uh, virgil. with an e yeah, I, I was I was just looking over your book and I was thinking, why is it spelled with an E? Oh, no, Virgil, Virgil, W or not W, V I R G I L is a misspelling. All right, I was a really? bit I was a yeah. bit confused on the names, but Virgil. Yeah, uh, he believed I... he believed in these he believed hmm. and looked up to and had these morally bankrupt gods as his role models. Uh, he wanted to be like them, right? That's what. That's mm. what the pit... did he though. Did I don't know. know. I, I haven't read the Aeneid, so I can't say how he portrays the gods, but at least in the Iliad and the Odyssey, they don't seem like they're always the most organized and looking out for other people. I don't know if he would put them as role models so much as people who are feared and who we worship because they do stuff for us. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. Ben's right. Yeah. They're they're not so much role models, they're they're just the people in charge. They're they're Do, do they look up to the gods? For their power yeah. and their blessings, not for their, yeah, actions. not for their moral, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, but oh, I it, everything I, I... came out of chaos, and so it it's not looking good up there. But I I would say that I would say that in general, that that's a good question. In general, yeah, I think there's. I mean, obviously, there's a limit not an absolute yes to everything but people who we don't agree with 100 percent can still have things that we can we can text them and then like i guess because the greeks believed in different gods 
doesn't mean that we as Christians should not read anything by the Greeks right, or the exactly. Romans. Oh my goodness! And that, like th- that there's plenty of nerves. good lessons yeah, to learn. It's, exactly. it's, it's like throwing the baby out with the bathwater just because somebody we don't agree with somebody 100 percent right. doesn't mean we should entirely boycott all that they do. It right. like there's plenty of modern books that I will cover on this podcast um, who are written by people who have different perspectives than we do on things. And yet there's plenty of good lessons that we as Christians can extract and learn from. So don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, but don't go study stuff that's very blatantly, obviously bad in all senses. That's that's basically like saying, don't look at anything, go, because he was insane and had no true, true perspective on the world. Yeah. Yeah. But no, uh-uh. he... I, I think we all agree he's a good artist yeah. in terms of art, right? Yeah. So I mean, and his his works have so much beauty in them. Like, yeah. Mm, I don't. Yeah. I don't like. So, yeah. So, the use discretion and read with a filter. I think is the ultimate. Like, mm-hmm. we can extract lessons from these. But I think you know, we're, we'll talk about it more at length in the future. I know we say this about a lot of things, but we, I'm sure we will. Um, about how when we're being entertained, I don't know if you would necessarily immediately label the need as entertainment, but I think in that day and age it really was. Whenever there's entertainment, we shouldn't turn off our critical thinking. Sure. The end goal. We should always be thinking out or reading or listening to or watching or whatever it is Mm -hmm. because the the person who did it had a worldview and we can learn from it, but we don't necessarily have to You can learn so much about the culture from, from different... Yeah. Yeah. There's plenty of good virtues godly of honor and respect and all that from rome we don't have to agree with their system of religion but there's a lot we can get out of it i going along with virtue thank you ben sure was this action virtuous if it was let's just say was it virtuous what is virtue? Oh my goodness, no, we're not defining that. <laughs> well, you know, in order to say whether something it is, is we, or is not something, you have to define it. Uh, so, uh, moral excellence, uh, strength or oh, courage, no, 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 quality no. or trait. It's got to be something. Uh, this is Merriam-Webster. Merriam-Webster well, is not necessarily He did abandon his quote-unquote wife for the quote-unquote Rome. Right. I say quote-unquote because... It doesn't exist yet. But Rome doesn't exist yet, and his marriage wasn't decided by him. Let's so say it's... so. So, the gods are the absolute command, right? In in this yes, universe. in this. So, just as our god has the absolute command, hypothetically, these gods have the absolute command as well. You don't go against the gods, right? You don't go against our god. Yeah. Well, then it doesn't matter whether whether or not it is action was virtuous because he had no choice well couldn't she have just come with him the the gods asked i guess she can't she can't leave her people yeah that would be the main argument and actually yeah yeah she can't leave her people that makes sense um hmm is it is there any value in arguing whether or not the whether or not the action was virtuous or not because no matter whether or not it was virtuous, he's going to do it anyway. The gods ask people to do unvirtuous things. And there's really no choice about it. You, know, you don't have any say in whether or not 
you should do it or not. So whether or not it's virtuous doesn't have any bearing on your action. Okay, okay. Let's build up. Let's build up. Which one did he have more of a responsibility to? Which action? Did he have more of a responsibility to build up Rome, or did he have more of a responsibility to build up his life in Libya? It sounds like Rome. Hmm, okay. So if he had more of a responsibility to do that, was it the virtuous action to even go with his gut? Well, about... So his responsibility with Libya is partially tied to his quote-unquote marriage right because right he's sort of they're sort of like there's like the power couple you know they're the partners in crime which of course from the very beginning was the decision of the gods and so if the gods say no no we want you here instead of we want you founding rome instead of uh attending to your power couple then then you do it because the power couple is the god's conception as opposed to your conception so you do what they say because they because they created both things right but wouldn't you be willing to leave everything for christ uh, hopefully, and yes. follow his calling so why shouldn't aeneas be willing to lose everything here and go along with god's command or the god's command he well i don't know i i I, again i've not read the aeneid so i don't know what anisa's perspective is i don't even know if it says it in there but is he completely devoted to the gods or is this something that he's just been forced into is pious pious is mostly concerned or being pious is like uh, we understand it to be devoutly religious, yeah. right? Yep. If somebody is pious, they are very, very religious. But and they are devoted to, to Jesus, like God, God. But this is more faithfulness to the gods, but also to one's to one's faith and to the wishes of those higher up. Yeah. Even if they're like your, oh, I said like, even if they're your boss, uh, being faithful to their wishes, being devoted to your work as their, as their employee, uh, being loyal to your company, I guess is the good (laughs) word for it. What's the, the ancient Roman equivalent, uh, your, your consort, your whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Piety is a virtue in itself. So if his action was pious, then it was virtuous. And if it was virtuous, then it may have been pious. I would say by that definition of obeying the gods, then yeah, that was certainly pious. Okay, so (laughs) it it was virtuous, but it's weird because it's not absolute virtue. It's just virtue in relation to their time. Because it's unvirtuous. Right. If you if you play with the the absolute virtue of the gods and the highest being, then you play with all like there aren't any morals. Yeah. Yeah. So Hmm. I suppose by a way of virtues, I mean. If there is no absolute good, <laughs> then 
in this instance, I think that he would have been more pious than not, more virtuous than not virtuous, though he would have been both. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I I agree with you. Good to hear. Yeah. Max, do you do you agree with this? Do you have some some mixed feelings? Uh, I think I think he should have done what the gods told him to. Okay. And All I right. think that makes him pious. And in a universe where the gods have the final say, that also makes him virtuous. Because mm-hmm. if they make virtues and yeah. they're telling you to do something, then it's virtuous. Okay. Though. Sounds good. Then at this point, the. The thing that to be debated is the authority of the gods, but if we accept in the Aeneid at least that the perspective is that the gods are all powerful, then yeah. Okay, so seeing that was that was very good. I'm glad we got some closure there. I will leave the listeners to read on their own, to form their own opinions, to I don't know to to explore this entire rabbit hole or the multiple rabbit holes and this entire journey on your own but for now we must move on to one more question which i'm hoping will be quick and then the final little brain tickler if you want to call (laughs) it that brain tickler brain 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 tickler brain feather let's call it a brain feather sure yeah a brain feather i like that Oh, my brain I, I'm not thinking feathers. of the Veggie Tales, like the little tickle, <laughs> tickle island. Yeah. No, what? Oh, oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, oh. yeah, from Esther. Yeah, yeah, the the, the island of eternal tickling. <laughs> yes. Um. Anyways, I want just based on that alone, that one thing alone. Do you think Aeneas is a hero? Back to the Merriam-Webster. Um, <laughs> hero means a mythological or legendary figure, often of divine no, descent, endowed with great sensibility. No. There's lots of definitions. Yeah. Principal character, central figure, extreme no, admiration no, 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 or devotion. No, no. Okay. okay. Virtue definitely plays into being a hero. And actually, why did I turn to Merriam-Webster? Because we have... Uh, taken a whole I've, I've written essays on what is a hero oh yes you have and, and i forget what the three things we identified are so i won't try and embarrass myself by remembering them now <laughs> but hmm it's sort of back to the same question just extended so if these gods are all powerful and they make virtue and they make humans and such, right. and such then and if Piety is the ultimate virtue. Oh, I forgot to... Okay, okay. Keep going, keep going. And if being a hero is invo- involves being virtuous, then you would think based on that alone that he would be a hero, but then he also does something that we, at least today, with our morals, which we believe are absolute, um, would describe as not virtuous, then he wouldn't necessarily be called a hero. Right. Yes. So, in the eyes of the Romans, he is undoubtedly a hero. And also, and another thing that I just thought of is that how... I don't know how, I don't know how much we get to see into his head, but how much of this is 
his decision to leave is influenced by his fear, quote unquote, of the gods, or his devotion? Because if is it piety if you're being dragged into it? Right. He wasn't dragged into it, but he was. He wasn't scared into it, but he was terrified. Because it was his devotion like, overall. It was he, he thought really about it for days and days and days. Ultimately, have that much of a choice because. Right. It's like he's going to get dragged to make Rome one way or the other. Mm-hmm. One way is just going to give him more time here. Right, exactly. So, is one that, more time here is that and piety? probably some sort of destruction to Dido to eliminate her as a distraction. Yeah. Like either either way Dido is going to die either from grief so, or hmm. from destruction so of from the gods. So from that perspective, then do we say that he is a hero because he's saving her from being destroyed by the... I don't, I don't know. No, but she, she's... Got, well, actually... Is that his intention? He's probably saving her. And he. I, I think he doesn't actually want her to come with him because he knows that she will serve as a distraction and she will be killed by the gods. But he can't be with Dido. She will distract him from his fate. Hmm... The best option in my mind is to leave without telling her because a she will either be grieved and do the deed right there or b she will try to come with him. Either way, she dies. If he leaves without telling her, she will find find out. out. But then, then she might have a chance because yeah i don't know she 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 has more of a chance if if yeah he leaves without telling her yeah he doesn't know her well enough right to know what she'll do also the the image that virgil gives for uh for him sifting through his mind you know to find to figure out all the possibilities is kind of you know that that scene in is it Endgame? No, no, no. It's Infinity War, where Doctor Strange is searching through all those possibilities. Um, I don't know that scene. Oh, oh Max, <laughs> oh, I do, I do. Yeah, that's basically what it is. The it's just it's essentially just that, and but without the the magic. Okay, so we've established two things. He is not a or three. He was pious in doing this. And he is a pious character in the eyes of the Romans. Yes. He is obviously not pious in our, our Christian eyes? world. For yeah. Um, he was a hero in their eyes, but he is not a hero in our eyes. Yes. Which is the third thing, but it's more of a 2A and B. But yeah. So we have just answered the core questions of the Aeneid. And I recommend that you read it and i recommend that you research it and form your own opinion but for now i will leave you with this ovid was influenced by virgil he was heavily influenced by the aeneid Mm -hmm. right the aeneid was published around uh 19 to 18 bc and ovid's metamorphoses were written in 9 bc so he had a good 10 years of influence from the aeneid 
his number one, I think his number one influence was Virgil. And even as he lived and was telling people or telling Ovid about what he was working on, he was influenced. Ovid was influenced. And he went on to write Metamorphoses, which Virgil, Virgil's works, not forced, what am I looking for? Caused this uh, renaissance, this rebirth to happen in ancient Rome as far as poetry goes. And people stopped doing this serious times of hardship, you know, dark and dreary and and uh, gloomy uh, poetry about the gods and, and all of these things or about the sun and, and stuff. Uh like Lucretius and Callimachus, and they started doing poetry or writing poetry. I shouldn't say doing; that's a weak <laughs> verb. Writing poetry more gracefully and elegantly, and it mimicked Greek poetry because Greek is a naturally elegant and graceful language. But to do it with something as boxy and awkward as Latin was unheard of but virgil was influenced by homer right and ovid was uh influenced by virgil and he ovid pioneered this whole well virgil ultimately but ovid started this whole graceful uh sort of flowy form of poetry dante and shakespeare were both heavily influenced by ovid and shakespeare was heavily influenced by dante so i and and dickens was heavily influenced by shakespeare and dante and i ask you this question if it had not been for homer would the works of obviously the works of virgil will not exist but would ovid's metamorphosis dante's divine comedy all the works of Shakespeare, all the works of Dickens, and most of classical literature, modern classical literature, exist. Because one person was trying to imitate the works of so many others. And Ovid is where that lies, because Ovid inspired Shakespeare, and Shakespeare inspired countless authors like so so many authors of the modern age and he inspired dickens and dickens inspired so many other people so i would ask if it had not been for homer would we have literature as it is right now sounds like not yeah so well, the way you put it i guess it is a pretty important right isn't it? right but th think it over if you have any theories or if you have any objections please email us where can they email us oh wait i should i do it, sure. oh, yeah, okay. do it, do it. you can email us at rhetoric and retrospect at gmail.com please email all questions quandaries queries and corrections do we have anything else to talk about i think that's all i think that is it okay we've been convinced that the need is important and we should read it do you have any final thoughts sounds Sounds like another one of those old good Roman stories where <laughs> sad ending, or is it a sad ending? Not, uh, 
uh, people die. Yeah, yeah. it yeah. usually ends up with it. Yeah, a lot of people dying, and but there, there's a lot of good lessons to be learned from it, even though we may not agree with it entirely. So also, uh, never steal belt buckles. That's that's the number one takeaway from the Indian. If you see a belt bucket lying there, unless it's given to you, don't don't even try. Keep it in mind. Yep. <laughs> All right. All right. That's this all. has been Rhetoric and Retrospect. Signing off. Signing off. All right. Goodbye. Bye. Hey, this is Ben. As I was editing this episode, I noticed that there were a few parts where it was the audio got really crackly for a second. It only happened two or three times, but sorry about that. And also, sorry for the air conditioner sounds. We tried to turn it off on one episode, but we were roasting, and I don't think we would have been able to put sentences together. Um, so please, uh, we apologize for the sound of the air conditioner if you could hear it. I tried to remove it, but I think it might still be there. So sorry about that. Something we couldn't really avoid. And also, um, I, I really like technology and electronics and programming and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, browsing through the GitHub as one does, uh, earlier today I found a unsilencer. It, it sort of it goes through an audio file and finds all of the silent spots and speeds them up a lot faster than the normal audio, so it tries to get rid of all the silence. We've actually had an email in the past, and one of the things that they thought we could improve on was um, removing silence from our, our, our pauses from our episodes, and that's something that I agree with. Um, I think it's more enjoyable to listen to something without pauses because the thoughts are more concise, but it's really difficult for us to go off the top of our heads as I am right now without pausing for a second to think about what we're going to say in the future results in better content where we speak better than if we're on going on and on and on. But this tool might help to sort of remove some of that silence, but it also might miss some stuff and some details where there is supposed to be silence and there won't be, and maybe some things we say quietly won't get picked up and will get sped up. So I don't know, just as some somebody who enjoys listening to things both quickly, I listen to everything at two times the speed, as I think I've said before, drives everyone else crazy, but I like it. Um, I think it might be nice to have the absence of that silence. So if you're interested in that, I will leave a link in the description to the silenced version of this or rather the unsilenced version of this you can go listen to that tell what differences there are if any and please email us at writerconnectedtech.gmail.com if you think that's something we should put into our actual episodes i don't know just an interesting technology let us know if you want that if not we stay how it is and you know some silence is sometimes good in our lives we don't need to have it filled with everything anyways this has been signing off hope you enjoyed the episode bye